The Cover Season podcast was born from the false perception that millennials don't believe in marriage. This is your boy Ron, and I serve as one of your hosts. And this is Ebony. I also serve as one of your hosts. Together, we will share stories and advice about our own quest to find love and ultimately each other. We'll discuss the challenges that millennials face in dating to find love or just dating to date in hopes that you, our listeners, can apply what is relevant to your own lives. And in the process, we hope to make you laugh, we hope to make you feel optimistic, and ultimately, to find more ways to love yourself, love others, and love the one you're meant to be with. Some say that cuffing season is relegated to cold temperatures, but we hope to make every day a good day to cuff, baby. What up, what up? This your boy, Ron, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host. Hey, y'all. It's Ebony. And we're back. Welcome to episode 11 of the Cover Season Podcast, man. Thank y'all for rocking with us. If this is your first time, welcome. We hope that you stay throughout the entirety of this episode. Go back and listen to the first 10 uh, so that you can understand the buildup of what we're putting together today. And uh, please be sure to... Let your friends know uh-huh. uh, that the podcast exists. We've been doing extremely well with spreading the good news about the conversations that have been taking place through word of mouth. And that has been evidenced through uh, the growing support um, that we've seen uh, on our analytics as well as our social media, as well yeah. as the people that just reach out with their comments and their questions. Um It's at this point that we are very sure that, you know, this is truly a ministry for us, Um, people who have questions about how to interact with people in the romance space. Um, Everybody has lots of questions. We still have lots of questions, and we want this to be a safe space or a forum to discuss the intricacies and the politics of dating and falling in love and being engaged and getting married. Um, because we really do believe that the world has made a better place when people are making every day a good day to cuff. Yes. <laughs> um, so we were looking at the calendar. Well, really, it's an app in Ebony's phone. It's like a countdown. Oh, my countdown app. Countdown yes. app, right? Yes. What did that countdown app say to you a couple of days ago? It said we are six months and 22 days away and hours and minutes and seconds. I forgot what that was, but mm-hmm. away from our um, wedding. Yeah. So that was exciting. Um, it seems so much closer than, than it feels. Yeah. It's kind of weird because I, I was like, oh, we have eight months, but like, it's not true. It's not true at all <laughs> because... <laughs> I don't know. We we got engaged in April of last year, and it felt like an eternity to plan, right? But here we are, half a year away from our wedding, and there is still yeah. a lot to be done. And I think the what happened was, you know, January comes, and, you, and you're, when you're counting out by months, you're like, oh, I do have eight months. Mm-hmm. But it's not, like, day, yeah. day-wise, it's... A lot different so we were like oh shoot we gotta get on it right so we want to as always dedicate the first few minutes of the episode to talk about what it has been like 
planning because um, I know this is something that a lot of couples have questions about, you know, what the actual planning is like. And, of course, it varies depending on who you talk to, but this is our story. <laughs> um, and we hope that, uh, you know, you found some value in it. So uh, a couple of days ago, um, I had a long conversation with um, one of my best men. I have two best men. One is my younger brother. One is my cousin. Uh, so I was on the phone with my cousin uh, for a while, and you know, and he reached out to me. He said, "Hey, you know, I see that the wedding is fast approaching. Is there anything that you need, right? Uh, for those of you who are in someone's wedding or know someone getting married, uh, reach out, <laughs> see how they're doing, see if uh, there's any way that you can lend a helping hand." The answer uh, will probably be yes. I know that was it was yes for me. Um, so me and my uh, one of my best men, we talked about uh, a number of things, but the thing that I'll talk the most about on this episode was the bachelor party. <laughs> that's, a, that's something I keep getting from my groomsmen, my friends, my fiance. Everybody want to know well, what are y'all doing? When are y'all going to do it? Where y'all going to be at, right? <laughs> um, and when I was growing up, I felt like, Take you know, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the, the highlight of a wedding when you're young is the bachelor party. I mean, you know, for anyone who's seen movies like uh, um, the Players Club, not the Players Club, uh, the Best Man, yeah. where, um, you know, Morris Chestnut um, is playing the character of Lance and, you know, he has his bachelor party at the top floor of a hotel they have strippers, um, or think like a man, think like a man too, um, right. with Kevin Hart and Michael Ely and all of them, and you know they're out in Vegas and they're gambling, they're taking shots, they're having fun. All these activities are planned. Um, I also know guys who have taken a lighter approach by you know taking a cabin or a fishing trip with a group of friends out in the mountains. Um, my uncle, who's getting married, um, he's going on a cruise. Um, I'm going to a bachelor party next month in Dominican Republic for one of my good friends. I'm in his wedding. He's getting married on uh, March 30th. Um, so now the pressure's on me. Ron, what are you doing for, she, for your bachelor party? And to be honest, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know if I'm having a bachelor party. When, he keeps saying that, but he's but, but but he's, it's a, he's gonna have one. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's like, and, and it's not that I'm anti bachelor party. It's just that I don't necessarily have the energy to plan one. And what I'm seeing, um, and I think a lot of I don't know working class millennials who live in metropolitan cities where work consumes so much of their lives and all that other stuff can relate. Like, it is really hard to get a big group of people on one accord. You know, like scheduling a happy hour can feel like brain surgery. Yeah, you know, you like just give up. You're like, you know what? Yeah, I have this happy hour. And I'm like, you know, so I'm 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 in that place where I don't feel compelled enough to, you know, deal with the politics of varying schedules of other people and. You know, you got to assume the budgets of other people because a lot of people are not forthright in what they can and cannot afford. Um, But you also still want to be cognizant of people's bank accounts when deciding, hey, we're going to go to Vegas or we're going to go to Atlanta. You know what? We're going to stay here in town. 
um, and then beyond that, the fact that we're doing a destination wedding, people are already paying to come to Mexico. I'm like, well, do I want to have people paying twice just so that I can have a, you know, a party? Yeah. In another city, you know. Well, I mean, since it's destination, you guys could do something in the state somewhere. You know, that's how some people do it. Like, they're having a lot of people who do have mm-hmm. weddings, you know, in Atlanta or Cali or wherever. They usually go overseas, you know. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the problem with me is that my groomsmen are not all here. Mm-hmm. Only a handful of them are here. The rest are in Texas. They're in Florida. They're in South yeah. Carolina. So I mean, I mean, inevitably, people are gonna gonna have to fly. And, and I think yeah. when you agree to do something, when you agree to be a groomsman or a bridesmaid, um, you take into account on that th- that costs money. Like when I say That's yes, I'm not just saying I'm not just saying yes to like just oh yeah, I'll be a bridesmaid. Oh, I'll, I'll just show up to your wedding. No, it takes planning. It takes you know, whatever, doing things for the bride, it takes, you know, collaborating with other people who, you know, who don't even know. So, um, people, people should take that into consideration more. I don't think people get their feelings hurt. Like I let or let them know up front. I would love to be a groomsman, but I'm short on cash. So letting you know that up front. So whatever activities you have, I may not be able to participate in all of yeah. them. Well, um, I think, I mean, that, that's a good point, right? But I also think that with, you know, if it's your first time being a groomsman, you may not even know to ask that question. No, right? that's true, yeah. You know, because I've been asked to be groomsman in other weddings before, thinking that really all it entailed was, you know, buying a tux and showing up at the wedding and standing in the front of the church, mm-hmm. not knowing that, okay, well... You're going to get invited to a bachelor party on the other side of the world. Um, you'll have to fork over, you know, close to $1,500 in cash per person um, because, you know, you have to pay for yourself. But a lot of times the groomsmen want to subsidize the cost of the groom, you know, so yeah. everybody will chip in to make sure that the, the groom doesn't have any costs. And then, um, so, you know, there's just a lot of dynamics that, you know, I can understand a lot of people may not get now um do you know i think that based on what i know about my groomsmen i think that they could handle it but you know i'm just still trying to be cognizant and to to be honest i think it's probably more so me not wanting to spend the money than them because um you know i'm pretty cheap but anyway um that is my update i am you know going back and forth between whether i should do a bachelor party and if so where and when uh, if you have any ideas, I mean, if you think I should do one, let me know. Um, <laughs> slide in our DMs, the cuffing season. Uh, it's cuffing season Instagram page. Let me know what you think about doing a bachelor party. And if you have any recommendations, also, please let me know. So, Ebony, what do you have to update us on? So, my updates are pretty small. Um, I set up a call with our wedding planner um, at our destination site. Mm-hmm. So, that's coming up at the end of the month. Finally, and that, that'll be taking care of the heavy pl- planning, basically, because we haven't really done too much. Just, you know, it's kind of general planning of our ideas and what we want. But, um, yeah, soon we'll start the details, you know. Soon and um, very soon. <laughs> <laughs> and um, right now I've been on a mad dash to finalize the bridesmaids' dresses with my friends. Like, my past two or three nights have been spent on a computer yeah. staring at a million dresses. 
So I am, yeah, basically. So are you getting closer to nailing down these bridesmaids dresses or not? Yeah, <laughs> or not. <laughs> no, I, I think we're pretty close. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, what's your yeah. process for determining what dresses you'll decide on and, and which ones I mean, don't make the cut? It's it's more so just like which sides are legit and which and which ones aren't, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, do I want to do? It, it's it's hard to when you have people all over the place, like you said, you know, yeah. in New York or Chicago or L.A. to just have some store that everyone goes into because it's, yeah, you know, like my friend New York is like I, there's no Nordstroms anywhere near here. I don't know if there's a Nordstroms in New York. I don't know, yeah. but like if I were to choose that place, it'd be very hard. Um, you know, for her at least. So, and that's why I made up honor. <laughs> so there's that. But um, it's just like you know, trying to figure out what sites are legit if you do an online store because you hear a lot of scams, and that's the scary part. Then when I order something and it comes back, just terrible stitching, terrible this, you know, mm, terrible that. They don't need um, that. So, yeah, I think. But I think we're getting close. So. Good news. Yeah, and thank all of those who have submitted suggestions and recommendations. Uh, big thanks to one of my good friends um, who alerted us to a store that um, her mom, um, you know, plays a pretty big role in down in Naples, Florida. So thank you. Um, we are looking at that heavy. But that um, concludes our wedding update, and uh, we will be going into our topic right after this short break. And we are so back. dramatic. <laughs> All right, man. So tonight we uh, have, as I always say, a very good topic to discuss that I oh, think man. you will enjoy. And um, that topic is how does money impact relationships? Yes. Um, money is the number one issue that married couples fight about or couples in general and the second leading cause of divorce. Wow, really? After infidelity, of course. So infidelity is the number one number reason one. for divorce, and then money is the number two reason for divorce? Yes. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it does. And it, it, it reminds me of when my best friend got engaged a couple years ago, and he had his engagement party down in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, you know, I, I kept scrambling, trying to figure out what gifts should I give them as mm-hmm. a couple. Um and you know what you, you know what I ended up getting them? What? And I think it was the most thoughtful gift ever. And um, I think they were thrown off by it, but I think they really, really liked it. I went to Barnes & Noble and bought them some books on finances. Hmm. You know, how to plan um, and, and, and budget and how to um, get out of debt and how to build an empire. Um, I think I bought them Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I think I bought them this... Um, the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And I bought them another one. But anyway, so, you know, I, I gave them books because, you know, and I told them that, you know, money is a big issue from what I've seen. Because at that time, I was single and mingling. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about a commitment <laughs> back then. But I had read that money was an issue. So, you know, and I told them I didn't want it to be an issue in theirs. Then they're, they're married. So. Very thoughtful. Yeah. Um... So I, it's amazing that we're coming back to that now um, because you and I have had a number of 
money conversation mm-hmm. since coming together. So we talk about money often, very, all almost, the time. You have to every other day, or I, I feel like yeah, you yeah. kind of have to. You do. So with mar- you know, with money being the number two reason for divorce in the country, what are some of the common money mistakes that couples make that lead to their demise? So from what I've seen, it um, one of the ones that stood out to me was keeping separate bank accounts. Mm. And I feel so. Like, you're saying I can't have my own bank account. <laughs> well, so I mean, it's weird because I I don't necessarily think that you you know have to that that people have to like put all their finances together. But okay. that but that is something that they say is a mistake. Right. Keeping them apart. Keeping them apart. And so it's like maybe I sh- maybe we should should it or maybe we shouldn't um, have separate ones. So I'm trying to unpack the logic behind not having separate bank accounts and here's what i'm coming up with i think that um the marriage is the merging of two individuals you're no longer two people you're no longer ebony and rontel you are now one you're now the babies right exactly and um you know you move in together you in some cases drive the same car like we do uh you share uh, closet space. I mean, you 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 shit you you merge every area of your life, except in some cases, the bank accounts, right? Yeah. And I think that um, one of the things that that theory is getting to is that you can accomplish more when you're together. Yeah. You th- you can't. I mean, we. We've seen it when we, when we do it together. You yeah. know, I think that, you know, keeping separate bank accounts can kind of um, make it feel like you still do your own thing. Like you don't have to ask or not even ask, but just kind of like just consult your partner mm-hmm. just with things you do. It's like, this is my money. So you can't tell me what I what I can and cannot do with what I All earn. Right. But it shouldn't be that way. It should be like, this is ours. You know, we're doing it together. We have common goals. Like we're, you know, I think. Yeah, that's kind of... So, you're touching on something, and I want to come back to it, because I know you have a few more things you want to hit on, but I'm definitely coming back to that later in the episode. So, what's what's the next mistake? The next next mistake I, you know, I've seen is disagreeing about um, lifestyle, lifestyles. So, like, say you love to shop at um, Nordstrom's, I don't know, and I like to shop at the thrift store. Okay. But like, so you're spending at most is going to be way higher than mine. And I'm just like looking at you like, you're not going to spending my money on Nordstrom because I don't even shop at Nordstrom. So why <laughs> you just spend, you know, when, if, if, if it's joined at least, yeah. you know, why that's not fair. Yeah. So I think, um, it ain't. <laughs> yeah. So I think with that, it's important to, um, well, your lifestyle needs to like match what you earn. It shouldn't be like, you know, you make this, but you're spending like. Okay. Jay-Z and Beyonce. Okay, I think I think that one makes sense on its face and doesn't yeah. require a whole lot more <laughs> unpacking. <laughs> What's the next one you have? Um, letting your salary the difference between your salary divide you. Basically like this is mine, that's yours. Hmm. Okay. So, um I mean, cuz that can create you, some classism in your own house if there's a huge disparity in pay, right? Yeah, you know, and I oftentimes we see that with, you know, 
this is a whole other topic, but domestic violence, you know, mm, okay. the differences in, in, in money can cause women to stay with men because they feel like they need them because they have majority of their finances. Like, I, you know, I, I can't leave. Yeah. Um, that's really deep though, but no, but, but, but that's real. Yeah. So I, so I think it's just kind of, um, you know, be, being a team, not dividing, Nothing's divided. On the domestic violence piece is, I mean, we just got done watching R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, surviving R. Kelly, and that's a whole other situation. I think, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get into that yes. another episode. But, um, you know, just thinking about the power dynamics there. Yeah. Right? And how he kind of broke these women down and forced them, well, according to the documentary. Yes. Right, um, women were dependent on this man for everything to eat, to to yeah. do anything. Like, and then I'm even thinking about that Tyler Perry movie. Um, Why did I get married? When um, you know, Mike finally tells Sheila, you know, I'll be more than fair, but I want a divorce. You can have your car, you can have the apartment, <laughs> right? And then she hits him over the back of the head with a, a wine bottle, yeah. right? And and you know, and Troy the sheriff finds her in the uh, the motel room, and you know she ain't even making home yet. She can't get home because she's on the bed talking about, I have seventy three dollars to my name. Exactly. And you know, and I'm thinking to myself like, yo. If you have a shared account as as a as a married couple and there's an abrupt divorce because of infidelity mm-hmm. and the breadwinner pulls everything out and leaves you with seventy three dollars to your name to where you can't even get home. You you can't pay the light bill, you can't pay your cell phone exactly. bill, like you, you can't put groceries in your fridge um that month, especially if you've been in a situation where I don't know. Maybe you haven't been working. Maybe you've been a housewife or something. I mean, it, it, it yeah. can leave people vulnerable. So I guess I can understand that in a yeah. sense. It's just, I just think it's so sad and unfortunate because that's um, that's not what marriage is about. You know, it's supposed and, and to be I, lifelong. I, no, no, yeah. I, I also think that um, if it even comes to that, like looking back, if it even comes to that um, where you feel like you... If it's yours versus mine, mm-hmm. then that's a that's a red flag right there because they're gonna straight up. They could one day use that against you. Like, well, you know, why can't I see the finances or why can't we help with your account? Like, what are you spending your money on? Like, are you yeah. afraid of me to see? Like, where you know yeah. that that just dives into a whole different issue um, with infidelity. You know, people spending money at hotels and stuff. You know, when guys have their own accounts. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, the last one that I'll just really say that stood out to me is letting your expectations get the best of you. And so that's kind of like, you know, we we get married. We um, And so I'm thinking like, okay, we're getting married. Now we should be in a house. Like we're going to have a house. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. But, you know, two years goes by, we're still married and we're still in an apartment. It's not a bad apartment, we're just in an apartment. Okay. And so to start fighting about like, well, why can't we get a house? Why yeah. can't we do this? Like, you know, just like you have to constantly be talking, communicating like, this is what we have. Yeah. You know, this is what we can afford right now. This is what we can afford in five years and 10 years. Like, 
you need to talk about that stuff. If you don't talk about it, if you're selling dreams or just like naive, then you're going to go into something and be extremely unhappy when you realize like, oh, just because he's in this field, I thought he was going to be rich. Ooh. Oh, like, oh but God. he could be a lawyer, but he's working and he's a lawyer at a, um, you know, nonprofit making 40000 But oh. you, you, when you hear a lawyer, you, you think, oh, he's rich. And so you, you're just like, sprung and then get into something and you're mad because it's not what you thought it was going to be. Wow. <laughs> that was a lot. And, uh, so I guess, I guess I kind of want to go into, uh, I guess our relationship with money mm-hmm. again and, and apply our relationship against some of the mistakes that you just mentioned that a lot of couples make. Um, as well as the stat that you mentioned at the very beginning being that, um, you know, money is the number two reason for divorce. So yeah. I, I, I want to start at the beginning <laughs> because when me and Ebony got together, y'all, and I'm, I'm going to share something very vulnerable with our listenership this evening. <laughs> when I first expressed my interest in Ebony to people who knew her, people who knew her before I knew her. Uh, one of the things that they said was, you know, Ron, you're a good guy. You're smart. You treat people right. Uh, you're loyal. You're you got a lot of potential. <laughs> you know, you've done a lot. Your resume is crazy. But you know what? Uh, you grew up poor, right? You know, your daddy ain't around. Your mama ain't never made a lot of money. Um, and Ebony comes from the complete opposite of that, Right. Not only that, you know, people would say, well, I've met her dad before. Her dad wants her to marry a a baller or, you know, uh, I guess someone with, you know, a seven-figure bank account at the time of marriage, right? Yeah. You know, um, they would say, Ebony not interested in your potential. Like, could you become a millionaire one day? Yes, probably so. But you're not one now. And look at your upbringing, you know? Um, so people would all, you know... People who knew you and knew me at the same time, they were very discouraged in saying that, uh, you know, you might not have a chance with her just based upon the zip code that you grew up in. So, um, and we know now, and, and, and I knew it back then. I knew that wasn't the case because I knew Ebony. I, I knew that she wasn't, um, I knew that she had more wisdom and more foresight than that. I also knew what, she, I felt like I knew what she was looking for in a man. I knew yeah. what I brought to the table. As a man, okay. and I knew I could sell her on it. Three snaps. Period. <laughs> so I didn't let that dissuade me from shooting my shot, and it was a swish, y'all. It was a swish. <laughs> no rim, no backboard, nothing but net. But um, with all that being said, one of the questions that I did have, and mm-hmm. I think that um, this is relevant for a lot of people because in my neighborhood there was a lot of brothers who grew up like I grew up, and married women that grew up. In neighborhoods that are nothing like the ones that we grew up in. So knowing that I grew up in a poor single parent household, did you have any apprehensions about falling in love with a guy like me? No, I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't know you were poor. I didn't know, <laughs> or I didn't know you grew up poor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a shame. No, I didn't, I didn't know you grew up that way. Hey, no, I listen. didn't know. <laughs> Fellas, invest in starch, an ironing board, and an iron. I'm telling you, man, like, 
if you can present yourself well, I mean, I, yeah. I, I had this woman fooled. She had but, no idea. I mean, you were, you know, you you were doing well for yourself. You know, like when I met you, I you were, um, you know, you had a roommate. Yeah. So I mean, I knew obviously you, I, you had a, you had a job. You, you had to pay bills, or you wouldn't mm-hmm. have a roommate. I know, like he wasn't paying for you. Yeah. Um, and to some extent, I knew you were, you know, you had a master's. <clears throat> I knew you went to school, so I knew that you were doing stuff. Yeah. I don't know what it was, honestly, when I when we first met. I don't know the extent of what you were doing. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, just from being your friend, um, I got to know you that way, and that's how I started to fall in love. Until I started to like say. You know, when you start t- telling me other things about this, like, career-wise, I was like, oh, oh, wow, oh, oh, wow, like, really impressive, you know? But, um, yeah, there was no, there was no, like, oh, he grew up in, in St. <laughs> Augustine, Florida, ew, like, <laughs> ew. ew, like, there was, there was no that, um, because when I go down there, I love it, it's, yeah, it's, so, it's, it's nice, it's nice, it's nice, it's nice, it's different, yeah, like, different, you know, <laughs> So what you're saying is you didn't relate my upbringing to my future ability to, I guess, maintain a lifestyle that you had prior to me and and maybe even elevate it one day because, I mean, we're still trying to grow. Yeah, yeah, I I, I didn't. And and just my last point to that is um, my dad grew up poor as well. Hmm. You know, he didn't come from money and he, you know, is a serious grinder, like serious entrepreneur like go-getter he's a doctor he does all this other stuff and so um that doesn't mean that you're not capable just because you grew up a certain way yeah you know you know honestly the reason why i felt like you could fall in love with me is because after you told me about your dad and you told me about the way that he grew up and the things that he was able to accomplish in spite of his upbringing Mm -hmm. i knew that I had a fighting chance Mm -hmm. because I saw so much of myself in his journey. Yeah. Your dad is the kind of man that I aspire to be. And the thing, the experiences that he had and the way that he made decisions at my age is the exact same way that I had done things. So I felt that you would be able to see that, I guess, maybe see a little bit of him in me and, Mm -hmm. and know that. Although I may have started several yards behind the start line, I would still finish first like your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are, guys. <laughs> so, um, but I, I will say I, I was a little apprehensive at first because, you know, I, I, I would be lying if I said that, you know, the, the her mm-hmm. upbringing and the, the wealth that I had seen in Evelyn's family and extended family didn't intimidate me a little bit. Well, so so that goes into one of my questions, honestly, or honestly, actually. So I was going to say, did my upbringing bring about any feelings of insecurity at all? Hmm. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I, I knew that... Um, I, I knew that, you know, when it was time to visit the parents, you'd have a... Very different experience mm-hmm. coming to the west side of St. Augustine. Um, I also thought that you would begin to wonder one day, well, you know, what is this guy really bringing to the table, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, where what were his assets? You know, I mean, you know, how much property does he own? Um, how diversified is his stock portfolio? Um, you know, did his parents pay for college or did 
he had to take out loans because if he did, guess what? That debt will be mine too. Well, guess what? If we My get married, show is yours too, right? You know, so I'm, I'm I'm thinking about all, and on top of that, I'll also be vulnerable and say that um, I knew that you were the type of woman that could have any man you wanted. So whoever you ended up with, it would be purely your decision. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell y'all, man, everything turned the heads of everybody from <laughs> minimum wage workers to middle-income workers, to (laughs) college graduates, to those with graduate degrees, to to professional athletes, to uh, entertainers. I mean, everybody um, want, you know, I mean, Ebony is just universally attractive, universally beautiful, and... Thanks, almost hubs. (laughs) You know, so I mean, I, I, I will say that you know, I think a lot of uh, people, you know, would have loved to have made Ebony their wife. So, um, I, so yeah, you know, I, I was confident in myself. I was confident in what I brought to the table and confident in what I thought you wanted based upon your dad's story. But at the same time, uh, you know, I got these voices in my ears. And, you know, and I'm and I'm seeing, you know, all the attention you get every time you step outside of your you park your car, you're walking or you're, you know, you walk into an event with nothing mm-hmm. but celebrities and politics. I mean, everywhere we went, people were turning their heads at who is that young lady there? You know, yeah. um, so um, and maybe it's not. I don't know. What? It's <laughs> like I don't want to call it an insecurity because like. At no point in any of, you know, when we were friends um, and I'm seeing you get all this attention or when we were dating, at no point did I feel less than and at no point did I feel like I could lose you to anybody else. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe the word is like not insecurity, but it's like just a little bit of stress. Like, I need to provide this for her. And so how am I going to do that? That's perfect. That's, that's perfect. So knowing where you come from and knowing what you're capable, capable of. Yes, it did um, serve as, you know, and it continues to serve as a source of my stress because I'm constantly trying to go above and beyond to provide a life that, you know, one, I want, but two, I think you damn well deserved <laughs> and i'm constantly trying to ease your mind yeah like, we will i'm like yeah. always like maybe we will get there relax like yeah. you are doing fine <laughs> yeah and you know and we doing okay you know yeah. i make more money than i ever thought i would <laughs> not, um, not that bougie, like. <laughs> you know but at the same time it's like getting with you is like you know what like six figures ain't enough you know, I want to get this girl. I want to buy you a planet. <laughs> Crab legs every day. A whole solar system. You know, I want to. I want to buy. I want to like. I want to rename an ocean after you. Like, <laughs> this guy. I mean, no, no. But see, no, those are the things that I feel like you deserve. Yeah, no. I and um, you know, I'm constantly in my own head about you know how I can you know That's I guess true. what what I could be doing more to provide. Another moment of vulnerability. Um, but so, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess getting back to the topic on um, how money impacts relationships, because I really, 
I think I think money is something a lot of people struggle with, whether or not they admit it. I think mm-hmm. very few people are good at it. Most people are average, and some people suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Ebony, do you operate off a budget? Yes. And I want to talk about what was your process for budgeting when you were single versus budgeting when you were engaged. And, you know, feel free to get into the nitty-gritty of... How you budget. I mean, I see you walking around with your notepads. Yeah. But tell people how you budget and why you budget and how that helps you. Well, I think it's like, it's it's just like in me. My my, my mom's the budgeter oh, God. Yeah, of she our family. Is. You know, she Ooh, is like the winning Lord. queen. So my, you know, so I probably get it from her. Yeah. You know, she's... She's very on top of it, yeah. and um, and so I, I I do budget. I am very. I feel like I'm very good with money. You know, um, it's the from you know when I was single, I had a probably like two or three savings account. I okay. I, I separate them so it's not just not, so it's not easy to access. Like if I have to access it, I have to go and do this process to get it out. So how did you determine how much you put in each savings account? Um, you know, so I had one that had majority. Okay. Um, I had a high yield savings account that has the majority of my money in it. Okay. Um, and I also did. What's a high, well? So for those who listen and may not know what a high yield savings account is, it's um, it's an account that provides more interest than you typically would under another circumstance. Mm-hmm. I think in this particular instance, Ebony is talking about. Is it the American, American Express, Express yeah. which I think had a 0.95% return on investment, right? Yeah, I, I forgot the number, but it's pretty high. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty good. Now, some banks are starting to give up to 3% returns on investments, um, according to my friends. I, yeah. haven't, I haven't done the research. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it's high compared to like if you're just not... It was just sitting somewhere not yeah. doing anything. Like, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, well, why not use this? If it's yeah. going to sit somewhere. I'm you want to make money off, money off it. it, period. Yeah. And so it's cool to see $20 here, $30 here, like, off of doing nothing. You right. know, just, just sitting there. Um, but um, so, yes. Yeah, so I had a couple of smaller ones, um, like maybe $1,000 here, $1,000 there. Just okay. so, like, if it's emergency, I need to access it fast. I had it. Right. Um, but... So, so my budgeting consists of like okay, so at the at the beginning of every month when I was single, you know, I have X amount of dollars, and then so say I have four thousand dollars, right? And so I write out literally everything like rent, car, parking, or I guess my parking spot was part of rent, but like so rent, car, um, Comcast or insurance. Pepco insurance, yeah. you know, car insurance. Um, uh, groceries, eating out, gas. Like, I would literally write out everything that I might spend on something. Miscellaneous. Um, the club. Nails. Oh, no, no. I don't spend anything in the club. Because uh, she in for free. <laughs> and she drinking for free. Um, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I would, I would budget that way. And yeah. so I know that even if so, if I hit my budget perfectly, I still have this much at the, at the end of it. Like, I, I may hit 400 surplus or 1,000 surplus. You know, just depending on... Whatever I budgeted, and it, and it almost it feels really good when you when you um, budget so well that you have a surplus. So that surplus is going into next month, or with that surplus at the end of the month, you can dump it into um, 
or on a credit card if you have credit card debt, mm. you know, or something like that. But um, yeah, budgeting is just like it's just like second nature. Yeah. Every time I get paid, first thing you do is like write the budget out. When you get paid, do you pay yourself first? Um, I don't. I mean, so I pay myself in the way of that. So when I do my budget, I have a space in there for savings as well. Okay. And so I, so I, I guess I do in a way because I write down how much should go in my savings this month. So I guess you could say yeah. Okay. And I, I, I got to ask this because this is something that I've seen a lot in D.C. and... I don't know. I guess a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of women in particular, and maybe even a few men here and there, they, um, they're they subsidized by their parents a little bit. Like mm-hmm. maybe um, a parent takes this bill for them or takes that bill for them. Um, so I'm... Because I think a lot of people, like listening to what you just said and growing up as poor as I did, I'm wondering... How did you get to the point where you can put a thousand dollars here and a thousand dollars there? Because I was never able to do that. Because guess what? Like my expenses were so yeah. damn high that mm-hmm. I couldn't get there. Right. So I wanted to ask, like, did, did your parents subsidize anything for you? Like, did they take care of a bill that allowed you to save? Well, so I, so I will say, um, after grad school. Is when I really started, you know, got my first job. So that was when I really started being on my own, own like paying rent myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my dad and my mom, um, they both allowed. Well, they they both were we're all in a family plan for the mm-hmm. cell phone bills. So like that's that's been a thing since I was probably like what 12, 11, 12. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Being yeah, on a yeah. family plan. So like I never I never honestly paid a cell phone bill. Never, not once in my life. Wow, I'm you don't even know what that experience is like. I'm 29 like. years old, and I will say I have not paid a cell phone bill, so I have been afforded that luxury. And even my car insurance, I've never paid car insurance. Wow. Um, you know, and wow. I again, I'm 29 years old, and so I just recently, when we when we got engaged, I think my my lease for my vehicle kind of came up like right before that, and so um, I decided to get my car in. Mm-hmm. So I still have, I'm still covered by, I still, but like, I was able to call my dad and be like, dad, you know, I don't really need a car because I met you all the time to work now. So I'm just going to share Ron, Ron's car and now you can take me off the insurance. And he was uh. like, yes, like he like, what he was like screaming and like joking, you know, laughing because he was mm-hmm. so happy that he was, I think my car was like one of the highest insurance payments they had. Yeah. But it's just like so crazy to think that like, those are two things that I just never had to pay for. And it's amazing because at this rate, you'll never have to pay for them. Because guess who's paying for them now? <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's boy. Been a, it's been a great transition. Shout it's out been... to the men in my life. So, right. <laughs> so, fellas, if you're wondering what it is like, and, um, you know, we're engaged now. So, this is like a, just a baby step towards you know the merging of the finances yeah. and we take another steps but uh, oh wait i also want to say to the point of like how i was able to save so much i, w- I was very blessed to be able to stay with um because you know living in apartment to apartment uh-huh. i was like i can't save a lot like i, I love being on my own i don't want a roommate and so then my aunt was like why don't you come to stay with me like i live alone and she has this huge house you know out in maryland so for almost a year i i lived with her 
have the whole basement area to myself mm-hmm. and I was able to stack like thousands each month. Yeah. Cause it was just going like, I have to pay rent, you know? Yeah. You know, she was like, you know, your parents took care of me when I was younger. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this back to you, you know? Ooh, boy, that's love. And so that I, I literally, you know, it's, it's a rare situation. I feel like, um, but I was able to stack that way and yeah. I, you know, so that was really amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and for me, um, I've had points of really high saving and I've had points of low saving and points mm-hmm. of no saving. Um, because my, my story was a little different and I think, I think um, gender plays a lot here, especially when you're talking about people of color. A lot of guys just don't have that story. There's some that do. Yeah. But, you know, coming from, coming from where I come from, especially, you know, when you become a man and um, attain some level of independence, you have to take care of yourself, pay every last one of your bills. Yeah. And don't be surprised when the family members that you left behind call and say well you got that good old job now can you help me out with this or can you help me out with that and oh that, that's guaranteed to happen and 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 those calls come monthly mm-hmm. right and um that has you know for a while impeded my ability to save and to attain the level of financial affluence and independence that i had set for myself but um at 30 um there's a couple things that has happened. One, I have learned how to say no. <laughs> and two, I'm making a lot more money. Yeah. So um, it don't even matter. Like, I can I can help out a little bit more than I could when I was younger. Um, so, so yes, yeah, there's that. But you, you talked a little bit about um, how you save money mm-hmm. through housing costs. You know, by living with your cousin who had a... You know, a whole basement. And, mm-hmm. and mind you, y'all, for those of you who don't live in the DMV area and don't know what a basement is like. Oh, yes. Let me paint <laughs> the clarifying. picture because in Florida, we didn't have basements. And so, I, I you know, I, I can understand y'all are probably thinking that living in the basement is probably living in some dark, damp space with no windows. That was not the freaking case with Ebony at all. Ebony's basement was... Two and a half times the size of my grandmother's house. Ebony's basement had a bedroom. It had a huge... It had two bedrooms. It had two bedrooms. It had a bathroom. It had a living room with a pool table and three couches. It had a fully stocked bar with a damn... uh, I mean, you had... Oh, my God. With a refrigerator. And you had a you know double doors that went all the way out into a pool and a half an acre of green grass, so uh, it was not your average basement, not your average basement. Um, And it was my first time really seeing some stuff like that because you know in Florida you're not allowed to have basements, and uh, I think it is because of the flooding and I don't know something environmental that the DMV area don't deal with. But anyway, touching on the housing situation, mm-hmm. a lot of couples, boyfriend and girlfriend, not engaged, not married, a lot of couples, boyfriend and girlfriend, like I know where you're going with this, <laughs> make the decision to move in together to defray costs, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a good idea? Oh, that that's a 
tough one. So I think, you know, I think moving in is very tough. I think you have to have a goal in mind. You have you you should have had a conversation about where this is going. Because you, you can easily move in with somebody that you you know you're in love with and you have a great relationship, and then you just end up being roommates, or you just or mm. or he hasn't proposed for twenty years because you're like we're basically married, we live together. Like I don't, I don't need to propose. Like we're you know you you giving me all the benefits of marriage without a marriage. Yeah, you're cooking every night. You're probably helping with the the laundry. Just just do everything people do. You know when you're together and you're a couple. Um, just like natural, I think, you know, naturally women will take care of those type of things. And so it's like you're getting all the perks um, without giving her a ring. Um, but, you know, it's also not a bad idea. It's just I think it depends on the couple and it depends on how mature you guys are and and, you know, where you're, you know, if you have common goals. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's all. I feel like it's honestly, you know, it just it just seems like, yeah, I. I, <laughs> I think it's a horrible idea. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I've done it before, Ebony. Long, long time ago. Long, 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 long time ago. Before Ebony, I've lived with a significant other who was just my girlfriend and treated her like a housewife and. And, and not in the sense that, you know, hey, you wait on my every beck and call, but like enjoying the benefits. That's what it turned to. <laughs> but enjoying the benefits of someone who will prepare all your meals and mm-hmm. wash all the towels and make the bed up every day and, you know. Tuck it in. You, you know, just... it's, it smells like lemon pine salt every time you walk in that mug, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's. And, and, and you do it for practical reasons. One, because, like, you know, people, especially men, men to say stuff like, well, we're going to get married. You know we're going to get married. Right? You know I'm going to propose to you next year. I'm going to propose to you in six months or whenever. It's coming real soon, so we might as well just move in together. We might mm-hmm. as well, um, you know, take these steps because we're going to be together for life anyway. I ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. So let's just do this now, yeah. you know. And they'll say stuff like, you know, F everybody else time. Like, who cares what's normal, right? I will um, I will not make you wait in vain, you know? Some brothers get real slick. and make you feel confident that, you know, if you do all this stuff, an engagement or marriage will come after, right? Mm-hmm. And it does sometimes. But I think the unfortunate reality is that more often than not, it doesn't. And for me, it didn't. Yeah. You know, for me, it resulted in having to break a lease, having to um, move in the hood. I mean, the worst part of D.C. ever. (laughs) Like, Ever. Like, you know... Having to move into a place. I, every time I got off the metro, there was yellow tape. Damn near. Um, having to step over bodies. Somebody just got stabbed. The police roping the, the area off. Or somebody just got shot. Or teenagers fighting. Or 
you know, somebody it's trying, something. you know, yeah. it's something every day, right? I was put at a severe disadvantage because when you begin to merge finances and resources with someone that you're not fully committed to or tied to for life, it could really bite you in the ass. And fellas, I will say, <laughs> it is always going to bite you in the backside when you make those types of decisions and you're not married or engaged. Dun, dun, dun. Period. You know? Yeah. No, I, I totally hear you. And so I, I, I think I think my more hell no is moving somewhere. Moving. Moving to a new city. A new city, a new okay. state, wherever with somebody um, who I'm not engaged to. That is my non-negotiable. Like, no, no, no. I get I, that. I'm not doing it. So, um, so that's where I'm at with it. So I, I think it just depends. Because, um, you know, I have a close friend who did move somewhere with, and, and they got a um, apartment. And it worked out. And, and now they're engaged, you know. Um, so it so it does it does work. But, but, but she had great she, discernment. You discernment, know? Um, uh, very very clear. Like this is where I'm at with it, and if I don't get this by this by this date, I'm gone. Yeah. I mean, so and her job gave her the flexibility and the safety net to where like okay, if that didn't work out, yeah, she, she can she move she to Denver or any yeah. other city she wanted to. So I mean, she didn't just hang every resource she had. Yeah. In the balance of that relationship, yeah, you know, but but, but I I say that to say that but that, that there are certain instances where that could work, where it's not always a yeah. good idea, but you have to be really mature, really just have that conversation, and and a lot, a lot of people aren't at that point where they can do that. I think you got to know where the hell your relationship is going. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you have, have to know yeah. whether or not it's going to matriculate into a marriage or not to do it. And I feel like so many people move in together not knowing where it's headed. Yeah. Particularly but, women. But, women. But, but let's be real. If if women, if, if we really think about what what the reality of our relationship and and, and what it looks like, we we should know dang well <laughs> this is going a certain way. Like. Maybe that's just for, in the case for me, but like just just looking. I at think it, that's the case for you. <laughs> but, but but I but I feel like okay, maybe not all the time, but I feel like you can, you can you can tell just with some dudes like you know you like, should be I, able I, to I'm tell. I'm selling myself the dream. I'm yeah. based on his actions. Why would I think Yo. that he's gonna marry me? Listen, but I'm but I want this so bad that I'm gonna believe what he's saying. I think even that's... though it's not the case, and we know a lot of times it's not the case. We know that. I would probably be unhappy if I did this. Even if he did propose, I'd probably be miserable. Yeah. Or if, or you know, um, I know he's saying this, but like he don't even come home. I, I don't know what he's doing, but he's telling me I'm the one he's gonna marry me. Right. Like, girl, bye. Like, you know, you, you know. Yeah, but 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 I think that so so many women don't have that discernment. I, I, yeah, I hear that. You had I, it. That, that's true. Yeah. So maybe you can't relate, but my peace sign is so hard. <laughs> Your peace sign is hard in the morning, sign is boy. So hard. Oh man, I hope I never see it. I know I never see it. But anyway, so uh <laughs> All right, so we have so I guess with this, right? At what point should couples sit down and have an honest conversation about the state of their finances, you know, sit down and lay out for the first time? This is actually what I bring in a month. This is what my debt is. These are my assets. 
non-existent. <laughs> These are my liabilities. <laughs> A lot. Um, I think. I mean, just based off, based off our situation, um. Well, I, I guess we did. It was, it was actually before the engagement. You know, I think we did because we in did. Our, because in our in, in our instance, you know, we did premarital counseling before the engagement. We did, and so finances was a topic or something that we had to discuss. And so you start talking about it, like in the pastors, you know, he tells you like this is gonna come, this is a huge issue. You have to talk about it. And so it got us thinking like, oh gosh, like this may be a little uncomfortable, but it's something that we're going to have to discuss at some point, whether we like it or not. And right. we're going to have to list our, you know, what we make yeah. a month, you know, yeah. our, our debt, um, whatever, you know, whatever yeah. comes with finances, but we had to, we had to sit there and, and hash it out. Yeah. And that was, it was kind of awkward, I think at first. It was awkward as hell. Yeah. Cause I'm just like. I, I thought you was going to be like, judging me Not based upon my income Because I knew my income was straight But I thought you was going to be judging me Based upon my debt The people I owed No I wasn't judging because I mean I thought you was going to look at like uh, You owe 2200 to This apartment complex in yeah, Florida that, honestly uh, You don't pay your rent <laughs> Um, And, and That's, so, that's, and, and, that's but small it, in the grand scheme Like I feel like a majority of us who've gone to, um, you know, college mm-hmm. or beyond, like we have debt. Mm-hmm. It's a reality of millennials. Like, and so I'm like, yeah. I got a hundred and what fifty? I don't know, hundred and forty. Yeah. Whatever my debt is from grad school and college. It's like, so I'm like, and I got one hundred five. Yeah. It's yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, th- those were real uh, concerns mm-hmm. that I think I had, and I think other people had. And laying them all out, we were able to talk about, like, I, I guess be honest with another person about yeah. what the debt was and why it occurred. And, you know, and, I'll, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say live, like, that 2200 I just mentioned about an apartment complex in Florida was real. Like, <laughs> so for those of you who have been with the Cup and Season podcast since episode one, you'll know that I met Ebony when I was living in Florida, right? Right. Um, I was in. I was. Just, I was just visiting DC, and I go back to my apartment in Tampa, and I get a job offer in DC. So I moved to DC, um, you know, and I've been paying my rent this entire time. But when I moved there, they were like, um, "Well, you know, you broke your lease agreement earlier. You got to pay an extra month of rent," which uh, it's pretty common. But which was pretty common, yeah. but. They didn't make clear to me at the time I told them I was moving. Yeah. And they didn't tell me until, you know, I'm like well settled into my new life. So when she saw that, I didn't know how she would take it. But laying it all out, like, and this was a a burden that I had carried with me for months. But when we laid it out and she wasn't even phased by it, you know, I just, I just felt so much better. Yeah. Um, and, And I think that's going back to, uh, episode three why you should do marriage counseling before an engagement because budgeting is one of the things that comes up in marriage counseling. And and, and, and to budgeting, um, one of my questions for you is right now you make more money than me. Okay. Um, but how would you feel if the tables were turned? Would you feel like less than or insecure or like... Hell no. Like now I'm running the show and 
you know. Listen, I will gladly stay home and make your breakfast and pack your lunch and cook your dinner. If you about to be bringing the bank in, I don't mind being a house husband. Okay. Period, man. I uh, know, but in, in, in all serious, like, yeah, I, 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 you know, I make, I make more money, but, um, and and I know a lot of men struggle when they are not the breadwinner in the family. Um. I wouldn't give a damn if you made more money than me, because at the end of the day, I don't. When when I asked you to marry me and you said yes, and especially after August fourth this year when you say I do, mm-hmm. we are one. So, so money when money you I make more money, money, I make more money. You <laughs> like, feel me? It's, it's lit. <laughs> when I make more money, you make yeah. more money. Period. We gotta stop looking at. Finances, especially in married relationships, as things that are attributable or belong to only one person because they brought it in. Like, no. Yeah. That's a win for both of us. That's a win for both of us. And when you have kids, that's a win for the household. So, brothers, listen. And I say brothers, but I should probably say sisters too. Throw your pride in the trash can. Throw your pride in the trash, man. Don't put it in recycle because we don't want that shit to come up again in a new form. Throw it in the trash. We want it burned and incinerated and to never, ever have presence again on God's green earth. That is true. When you bring in more money, that's more money for the household. That means we can get organic chicken instead of that store brand with the right. with the, the pesticides. Right. That means we can get the, the 24 pack of eggs instead of the 12. I mean, that mean I can get the... uh you know, I love eggs. I love them. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> she does love eggs. But I mean, you know, when you start looking at finances in terms of like, okay, the man and, and woman, the husband and wife are now one. Mm-hmm. Whenever the other person brings in more, it increases. I mean, a, a high tide lifts all shifts. Mm-hmm. All ships, excuse me. <laughs> And and that's how you gotta start looking at it, man. Like yeah. you are now one ship, and anything good that happens to your partner happens to you, and anything bad that happens to your partner happens to you as well. So if um, your manhood is attached to money, get some therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Uh, so I have another question for you. So how okay. did you feel when we first opened a joint account? Were you like, hey, what? Were you, were well, you like, why? <laughs> well, I was happy. Were you excited? Yeah. I, I, I was excited. I was, I was super excited because um, I trusted you. I had never thought of doing it with anyone else. Was that before engagement or after? I can't remember. It was after. After, okay. Because we opened, um, so Ebony and I opened a, a joint TD checking and savings account after we got engaged because we, I mean, we knew we were going to be spending a lifetime with each other after that. So we wanted to start putting in money towards our wedding. Mm-hmm. We wanted to put in money towards, um, I guess, the bills that we now share because we knew that we were moving in together. Yeah. So we wanted to contribute that, a portion yeah. of our salary towards the household for groceries, for cable, for Wi-Fi, for rent, for lights, mm-hmm. water, what have you. So, I mean, I, I was I was ecstatic. Um, one, because of what it symbolized, like... I think that's true for me, too. Yeah. I think I was so excited. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're doing an account together. We're getting married. Like, mm-hmm. yes. So yeah. it wasn't like a, oh, no, he's about to get my money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 
it's been great for me because <laughs> it has taught me a lot about money. Ebony is a much better budgeter than I am. She's much better with saving and um, she understands cash flow way better than me. And this is one of the, I think this is a testament to our upbringings. I didn't grow up with shit. So I don't know how to manage the 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 wealth and things that I've been able to accumulate mm-hmm. because nobody in my family has ever seen the kind of money that I bring in. So they can't tell me how to manage it. I never learned it. Ebony, on the other hand, I mean, this has been her life since she was little. So she knows how to balance a, a, a budget book. She knows the importance of not putting on trying to keep up with the Joneses and to only put money into things that matter because a broke person like me, the first thing you want to do when you get money is what? Buy a depreciating asset like a chain or a car. Ebony, on, on the other hand, knows that ah, you want to put your money in yeah. things that are going to allow your money to grow. So I, I was blown away. I was happy. I was happy <laughs> when... We open a joint bank account because I've just been able to sit back and learn from this woman. And we're right? doing stocks now. You know, just oh my so god, yo, amazing! I opened a. Mm, you know what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pray real quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we 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 decided to stock trade um, at the beginning of 2018. We put it on our vision boards in December 20, 2017. You know, we said we wanted to make our money work smarter for us. And yeah. that's something I never thought about. Ain't nobody on the West Side saying I was even talking about stocks. Um, but Ebony was because her family was. And I was able to sit back and learn something. And now <clears throat> I'm sitting, you know, with a TD Ameritrade account with, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of shares in companies that are going to boom in a few years and solidify my ability to retire early. That's something that I haven't, you know, I wouldn't have thought about without a woman like Ebony in my life. Thanks, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that answers that. How are you with budgeting question? Oh, I mean, I suck at budgeting. I, I never had to budget growing up. Yeah. Um... I never had the budget growing up because we didn't have much of budget. It's like the money you brought in didn't even yeah. cover the bills. So my experience in what with budget was budgeting was like just prioritizing what liabilities meant the most to you. Mm-hmm. So growing up, it was lights, it was car, it was insurance, it was rent. You know, we needed a roof, we needed lights, we needed running water, we needed transportation. So we would throw whatever resources we had towards that and whatever was left over, food, whatever, I mean, recreation, mm-hmm. that wasn't even a, uh, a, uh, a category in our budget. So I, I, I had never thought to budget, right? I started making money when I moved to D.C. I remember my very first job, and I'll be vulnerable again. Um, I was, damn, how old was I? Seven years ago. I must have been 23 years old. My first job in D.C., I was making $43,500, which meant... After um, federal and Maryland taxes, I brought in, I think, $1,237 every two weeks. 
my rent was about a thousand. My lights and my gas and water was maybe like two hundred after that. Mm-hmm. So my first check that month will cover all my expenses, and then my second check, I basically had twelve hundred dollars a month to play with after that. That you're like, hey, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I got twelve hundred dollars to do. I can go to the cl- so I can go to the club. Like, where we at tonight? Where we at? <laughs> and guess what? That's how I was. Yeah. Where we at tonight? Not with that savings, dude. Not I, I, I wasn't saving Jack. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> for what? For for yellow, what? Yellow. No, no. I lived across the street from the Prince George County Mall. I was over there every Saturday, you know, buying fits from DTLR. Shout out, you know. <laughs> 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 I was buying Timberlands, you know. I was. You know, buying this, buying that. I was buying cologne set. I, I was doing a lot of stuff. You know, I go to the club. I'm not getting a drink. You know what? Let me get that bottle. I like to pour it for my friends right here at the at the bar. I, I mean, like to waste it on everybody else. That's the type of stuff yeah. I did for the overwhelming majority of my adult postgraduate life until maybe like two years before meeting you. I, I realized, you know, I was like, man, yeah. I made so much money. Because, of course, like, after that, like, my salary went up with every job I've had. I've had several jobs since yeah. then. I've more than doubled my salary since, yeah. you know, I was 23. And I was always trying to figure out how best to maximize, um, you know, all the money I was, I, was, I was bringing in. But I just didn't know how to do it. So I would seek help from millionaires I would you know I would read a lot of books I would um, listen to a lot of podcasts Dave Ramsey I would listen to his podcast every day um, but now I have the pleasure of living with and being engaged and about to marry the ultimate budgeter who uh, already has unlocked all the, the secrets to living the life that I'm trying to live you feel me um <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, one of the first things we um, talked about when moving in together was how to divide the bills, right? Yeah. Do you remember what our methodology was? So, I, what I do remember is the percentage mm-hmm. um, based off what you make Yeah. for now. Yeah, so one of the things we did, and this came from one of my good friends. Um, he's a finance guy. And he said that um, it's best to... Um, you divide the bills based upon a percentage of what each person earns, right? Mm-hmm. So you will add the incomes of both people, and then you will determine what your what percentage your income is of the total house income, and then you will multiply that by every bill. And that's basically how we handled all our bills, and it has worked so, well thus far. So, for an example, like say it's say it's I don't know fifty five forty five. Right. So, so fifty five forty five basically means that like say we have a household income of one thousand dollars, which we don't. We make a hell of a lot more than that. <laughs> but that would mean that I bring in five hundred and fifty dollars, and Ebony brings in four hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. A fifty five forty five split means that. You know, when the light bill comes, I will multiply the light bill by 0.55, and that's my portion. Mm-hmm. Whatever is left over is Ebony portion, which is, 0.45. you know, yeah. it would be yeah, 0.45, would be. Yeah. right? Uh, so 
that is a uh, you know for a lot of millennial couples who are getting together with their own separate debts from school or cars or whatever because this is a very unique generation we're not like our parents or grandparents who come into relationships scot free or whatever we come in with a lot of baggage from a lot of ill advised decisions like investing in our education and not having the jobs that pay or, us on the back end or a lot of um, feminist mentality, mentality oh my god so <laughs> so like. I can do just as you can. And so, okay, that's fine. Let's, let's, let's split this thing yeah. if you want to be all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that, that that's basically, um, you know, how we divide the bills and that is how it works. And um, I yeah. think that in a couple years, we'll have a new formula when we hit a new tax bracket because we are getting close. Hey, speak it up, y'all. Speak it up. <laughs> We're getting close to a new tax bracket. And when it <laughs> happens, uh, we would like to share. My new percentages would be zero. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, you know, I just realized we've been over our time for a very long time. So oh, I, Wow. This, this is a juicy topic, that's why. It is. Maybe we should do a part two. Maybe we need a part two. Part two coming soon, y'all. Woo! <laughs> so should we just keep going or should we just hit them with the part two? Whatever you think. You know, I'm, I'm down with both. All right, you know what? Um, because we've kept y'all on here long enough, we're going to go ahead and uh, take a break, leave you in suspense, and... Um, we will come back next episode with how money impacts relationships part two. Deuce. Okay. Um, I know we got into a lot of stuff and there's so much more we wanted to get into. And, you know, just looking at all my notes, I know for sure that we will keep y'all here way longer than your commute or your workout or whatever <laughs> the hell it is you do when you listen to us. So, um, you know, be sure to tell a friend about this. Please continue yes. telling your friends about this. Um, continue sharing on social media and interacting with us on social media. I'm at Rontel underscore beta on Instagram. And I am Callie X Bomb. And what's our... Our page is It's Cuffing Season underscore underscore. That's right. Follow so us. Please subscribe, follow us. Like, comment, DM. Share like. this with your people. Do it man. all. We're we going to cut this one now because of how long we've kept y'all on for over an hour. And we will um, regroup and we will hit y'all with part two next episode. So uh, make every day a, a good, good day, day to, to cuff. cuff.